Welcome back, everybody, to Ready and Able, a podcast for the girls by the girls. Um, this week we have with us Mrs. Shimona Tsukernik. We had a bunch of different questions that I wanted to ask on different topics, but the one I settled on is more, you know, women and Kabbalah and things like that. So for the first question, can you tell us a little bit about the difference between a man and a woman from a Kabbalistic point of view? The difference between a man and a woman? Well, I think that the one of the primary differences is that the woman is a recipient and the man is a mashpia. But I do want to say this. You know, it's interesting for me with all this uh, dialogue about, if I may answer it fully, about gender, you know, is there such a thing as um, a binary in terms of who we are? Certainly in Torah there is. There's a, I wonder to myself why it is that Hashem didn't make us androgynous in the way that the first human being is described. And I think that a lot of that has got to do with the idea of needing and being created incomplete. So the Zohar comments on the idea that um, they will become one flesh in a way that's very different from what Rashi says. Rashi says, the Pasuk is, man must leave his father and mother, he'll cleave to his wife and they'll become one flesh. And Rashi's understanding of that is that the one flesh is the child. Um the Zohar understands that it's the couple united. And what that tells us is that at some level, a man and a woman are only part of what it means to be a person, a whole person. And um, nonetheless, Hashem decided to break that whole up into two parts that are male and female. The Rebbe in Shnas Hakel, and this is Burina Shnas Hakel, the Rebbe in Shnas Hakel would often speak about the idea of the male, female, and child within each one of us. That there's, just as in the actual hakel, there was a mitzvah to bring even the children, not just the men, to the the base amygdash. So in an intrapsychic way, we have this idea of uniting male, female, and child. And there, the Rebbe explains that the idea of a man from a mystical perspective or an energetic perspective, is his way is to conquer, to go out. The idea of the alpha male comes from the word aluf or aluf. Aluf means a general or a master. Aluf So it's that a man is, is more like that classical alpha male out there conquering the female is the beta, like aleph base, alphabet. It's right from there, the bias idea of nimius. So every one of us has inside of us all those three energies. The, the ambitious part of the male, uh, the go-getter out there, the inwardness and the recipient of the female, and, and or, or the inwardness, the connector, that that's really what... Um, symbolizes the idea of the female and then the child is the one who is macabre which is remarkable if you think about it I think that people who are genii are able to retain the child consciousness of wonderment and thinking hmm what is this you know what's happening here what can I learn over here so really coming with a with an open explorative mind 
I don't think we need to open children's minds. We need to teach them. You don't have to teach them to think out of the box. They live outside of the box. We have to teach little children that there is a box. So those would be some of the, the differences. And I think the significant thing is, is that we hold all of that inside of us. There's the inner male, female, and child within every person. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I think I've heard that a few times, people saying that like the man is the giver and the woman is the receiver. But um, it, it seems like in a relationship in any relationship in a healthy relationship and as you're saying like there are two parts right we're two parts of a whole basically um when you say that the whole relationship is kind of about everyone giving like i think a woman does give a lot by um, well i wasn't saying the whole relationship is about giving i definitely the reason that i brought this idea that of the male female and child within everyone is to say that we all have three and i think that I think that really interesting and successful men have a highly developed female component and uh, interesting and successful women also do. And and then, as, as I mentioned, the genius of the child is just keeping that wonderment open. So I'm not saying that um, that women are just receivers or takers. I think there's a book written by Adam Grant called Give and Take. I haven't read it but I was interested in the title. He's an interesting man, but that title interested me because I thought I wouldn't call it give and take. The opposite for me of giving is receiving, the real opposite. You know, taking is a kind kind of polarity to giving, but the the extreme polarity of that would be to receive where there's some kind of passivity. I definitely think that in relationships, men receive. That's what the Alta Weber says in the Miami. Uh, um, where he he speaks about the idea that a woman is malchus but that Zah, the male receives more from her than she receives from him um, and you see that at the uh, at the chuppah even and then of course it manifests later in life in the relationship but at the beginning of the chuppah, there's the bedekin. So the man comes to the to the kala. The chassan comes to the kala. He's mashbir. And then after that, she comes to the chuppah, and she's the one who walks around him and encircles him. So that that, that the predicate rabbi explains, and the, the rabbi in general in the luchadodi maimer, or maimarim, this idea that <clears throat> by receiving, we give. And of course, women actively give in their relationships. And intellectually, that happens too. You want to be in a relationship with someone where you can um, push back a little bit. For example, mm-hmm. a woman a woman is described in Chumash as an Ezek when Hashem creates Chava. Um, if you don't have the Hisnagdo, she has to be a Misnagd a little bit in the marriage. You know, if you don't have the hisnagdus of a woman, then from both to each other, but women in general, they're a little more neurotic. They're more attuned to negative emotion and things that are problematic. I don't mean neurotic in the way we might socially uh, use it glibly, but she's more attuned to negative emotion. She's going to be pointing out what's wrong and what's problematic. And in that way, she helps him. And Rashi even says that, 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 if he merits 
you know, Zoha is a loy Zoha connector. If he doesn't merit, then she'll be opposed to him. But all relationships require and need some kind of opposition or antithesis and pushback. And if a person doesn't feel strong enough to do that, it's going to negatively impact their their marriage. Um, you mentioned briefly about the series. You said something about Malchus, I think. Um, could you like explain to us? I know that a man has a certain spheres that he represents and woman has certain spheres that they represent. Um, could you explain to us the difference and like what they are? I remember saying to my husband, if women are Bina, like why why don't we learn Gemara? And this was actually before. It's actually one of my questions. Later yeah, on. that was before the Rebbe spoke about woman learning Gemara. He he laughed and he said to me, if women would have written the Gemara, it would have been as long as the Golos because, you know, we're so connected to the details. We'll come back to that. But the other um, um, paradigm that I mentioned is that woman is Malthus and men are Zah, which are the Midos from Chesed to your side. Um, I once saw a letter where the Rebbe said that Malchus is the earth, and there are beautiful gems and stones in the earth, and that's why women like stones. It's quite interesting, you know, like giving a diamond or or different stones. Now, now you can get lab lab grown diamonds. I don't know what the Kabbalah of that is, but the idea of the earth is uh, abnegation of ego, and I think that a woman. The, the the there is a capacity in a woman to abnegate the self even in terms of um if you look at procreation of course she has to be the recipient but then gives the child psychically this idea of listening and hearing where are other people at we're so we're so focused on saying what we want to say that we don't really hear what other people want to say. Like maybe when you're interviewing me, you're so busy thinking about the next question that you don't know what I, like you're not really receiving or hearing what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's a possibility, right? And and then at my end, when I'm wanting a real conversation, what happens is, well, I want someone to, absorb process and then push back like disagree with me or agree or let, let's let's go then that's how we begin to live our lives right so malchus is that capacity i think that's very rare in relationships where a person can set aside what they think and what they know and really seek to understand to meet people where they're at i want to hear you i want to meet you where you're at get what you think then i'll start to process it and, and then then I, and then we can right and then we can yeah. have a conversation but that's why so you need to understand conversations take a long yeah. time mm -hmm. you're saying you, you need to be able to understand fully what the other person is saying and where they're coming from before you can actually have conversation because if not you're just talking to yourself effectively. yes so you're saying it's you're like saying that's an internal you're saying that's a like a the womanly trait According to Hasidus and Kabbalah, it would be more so that women are more connected with Malchus. Mm -hmm. You know that Hasidic joke that Chokhmah was looking for a shidduch, goes through all the spheres. Ah, you know, this one, Bina, not, this one, not. 
And Malchus is down in the cellar, like so humble. I'm going to choose Malchus. So he comes to Malchus. He says, no, you want to get married? She says, me marry you. You know, my Shirish is in Kesir. It's higher than Chokmah. He says to her, you know, you might forget the Shabbat. Like the whole Maila in Malchus was the Bethel. But if you're telling me that the Maila is that you're Mushrash in Kesir, you're rooted in Kesir, you're higher than me. Not so interested. It's really difficult to remain in a place of humility. And I think that in relationships, because we have needs, and as I said, there has to be the hisnagdus. Like on the one hand, she's the misnagid. On the other hand, she's malchus, which is better to really try and be present to what someone's saying. Uh, both can go together. They don't happen at the same time, though. Like the mm -hmm. Gemara says, a vessel either receives or gives off, but not at the same time. Like if you take a a, a fleshic um, spoon or knife and you put it into a cup of milk, only one of those vessels, either the cup or the spoon, will become treif, not both. I'm not talking about the milk, but one or the other will become treif mm -hmm. because the vessel gives or receives at one time. So you could be receiving what someone has to say and really listening and processing that and then give your pushback, but they don't happen simultaneously. Mm -hmm. yeah. You mentioned it briefly before that we say, I think in Voracious, right, that that a man will grow up and leave his parents and then cleave to his wife. Um, mm -hmm. Why do you think it says that a, that a man, I feel like that's kind of, I feel like usually in olden days we talk about a woman leaving their family and becoming a part of their husband. Why do you think it says that that a man will leave his parents and cleave to his wife? It's well, yeah, that is an interesting question. Um, practically the way that the it way works that is, well, often pe when people got married, they were very young, so they most likely would have lived in the home of the mother, the bride's mm -hmm. mother, I think, um, until they established themselves. Um, in the Kasubas and in the times of the Besamikdash, there was a clause that the man had to provide for his wife to go home to her family on Shalosh Regolim. I guess that's because he was going to be at the base of Megdash, right? And she wasn't going to just stay. So he had to have the money to send her home to her family. Um, I think that psychologically, a woman remains more connected to her family than than a man does. Um, mm -hmm. Even, let's say, with with boys learning, Hebe Golalamakum Torah, um, Boys have to leave their home in order to come into their power and their being. And and there's a very strong bond between a father and a son. Like we say, Av and Ben is Evan, right? Adin, uh, Adin Evan Yisrael, right? Steinsaltz, Rebbe Steinsaltz, Shalom uh, spoke about that. But Evan, of course, this is a, a common concept in Torah, that Evan, the father and the son are forming like a, a rock, uh, a stone mm. that is... That is very strong, but it could be overpowering. And I think that men need to consciously individuate from their parents. By girls, I, look, it's a problem too if girls don't individuate. 
if their mothers are running their home or don't allow them the freedom or the independence to be who they want. Certainly when they get married, but even in their teenage years, you know, a person is emergent and there's going to be something in my child that's different from what I want for myself, but I have to be able to celebrate that for my child. But somehow I think that there isn't as much of a power dynamic between a mother and her daughter. Mm -hmm. um, and so she doesn't have to leave in that sense, but that a man has to consciously step out in order to step into his own power. That's the way I understand. Mm -hmm. You know, it reminded me though when you were when you were talking of um the Pashtas I can't remember if it was Tafshin Nun on an olive where the Rebbe spoke about Puravul, very famous Sikha, where, where the Rebbe was speaking about the idea of the Kifshua, you should conquer the earth. Rashi actually says also that, has, that he has to dominate the woman there in Bereshis. And then when Noyach comes out from the table, there's the concept of Puravul. And I, I don't remember the exact Lushan, but um, inhabit the world and transform the world, but there isn't this idea of conquering, uh, of conquering the world. And one of the things that the Rebbe brings there, an interesting halacha, I can't remember if it's in a footnote, he says there are three things that a man is obligated in, that a woman is exempt from. He has to get married, he has to have children, and he has to educate them, meaning pay for their Torah education. And uh, then he says, obviously, those things are impossible without a woman, right? Mm -hmm. A marriage is between a man and a woman, and the people didn't come up with that idea. It's something that Hashem defined. So the, this idea of um, uh, a man being obligated to get married, but a woman not, it's perplexing, isn't it? Or that he has to have children, but she's the one who births the children, and she's with the children most of the time when they're little, certainly in a traditional uh, context. And um, the, the Rebbe explains, and he says, this is her essence. It really is her pneumius. It's, it's like no one needs a commandment to breathe. You know, you might have to be told, say a blessing before you eat, because that's not your essence. Um, although the Alta Rebbe says at the end of Tanya, in Kudrasaf, and when Mashiach comes, you won't need the mitzvahs, meaning we'll, we'll be so aligned. But... But today, yeah, I need to be told and taught. You must say a blessing before you eat your food. But in these three things, getting married, having a child, and raising those child children, the Rebbe says it's so close to the essence of a woman. She doesn't need to be commanded to yeah. do those things. Yeah, which I think is in some way connected to your question about something being there innately. Um yeah. And, and therefore, she has it. It doesn't have to be taught. She doesn't have to individuate in the same way that a man does. Mm -hmm. um, so we talked a little bit about Adam and Chava already, but I think I think a lot of people use the story of Adam and Chava to like explain how you know women are like subservient to men or in different terms or whatever. But um, would you say that the story of Adam Chava like actually is saying that women are subservient to men, and in the curse that she's given after the Chetayegol, um, which one is it? Chetayegol. Yeah, that 
that is true that now like women are supposed to be subservient to men and if so what does that mean well first ex explain that to me what what does subservient mean when you're asking that question practically in a relationship how would one how would a woman be subservient to her husband yeah, I mean, I guess like having to follow everything that he says and being like under it. And... Well, I think it's important that people define what their potential problem might be and mm. what they're exploring. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about that. I'm just interested in your thoughts about that. So when, when you say a woman is people are concerned that the biblical story of Adam and Chava is that she's subservient. Mm -hmm. uh, it's saying that she has to listen to everything that he says and basically isn't an adult in the dynamic. And nowadays, the modern world that we live in, we live in a more equal world. And back in the day, back in a lot of the biblical stories that we learn, the main purpose of a woman is to like, stay at home and take care of kids they're not really leaving their tents much really um and it's i think for a lot of people who are learning about it coming from a modern day world it's it's a little bit confusing and sometimes it seems a little bit like mm. very like it seems very unequal and unfair right okay so i want to address two things that you're talking about one is the subservience and the other one is the actual role in terms of being a homemaker, right? Mm -hmm. It's as if there's there's two problems there. So the, the issue with subservience, I think, has been abused and as every concept uh, in Torah can be abused, so too can that. And uh, in my work as a, a somatic therapist and as a coach, I, I deal with it a lot where the, the a husband might use the idea of Ishak Shader Baila that the, the kosher or the upright woman does the will of her husband. Uh, they use that in a way of what I would call spiritual abuse. Mm. Now, what do I think happened and then what's the problem? Or let's look at what the problem is and then um, what the actual reality is. Um I think that people are limited and we find even, for example, uh, in the beginning of Beratius where Hashem says, let's make uh, a, a person in our image. Uh, they, there's the idea there, Rashi brings, that he consulted with the angels in terms of making um, someone, making the first person. And I remember my teacher, Rabbi Kesselman, telling me, isn't that a like weird trade-off? You, you want to, Rashi says he teaches it because a, a superior should take the advice of an underling. Like, wow, you want to teach that Mida, like speak to the people on your team and 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 don't just be an autocratic dominant leader, speak to the people. But what's the what's the cost that maybe you're going to lead to um a, a false understanding that there's more than one God, which is the basis of Christianity. Let us make man in our image, right? There's the Trinity right there. Boom. Okay. And, and his answer was anything in Torah can be abused. If they didn't find a place to um, prove the, the, 
veracity of the Trinity there, they would have found somewhere else. And so I'm saying that about this Pasuk as well, which is the Kifshua, the specific word the Kifshua, right? Because it should it, it's written without the Bob, so it could say the Kofshua. All these insights have got a grammatical basis. So the Kofshua would be subdue her, the Kifshua, it's subdue it, subdue the physical world, meaning you want to dominate it. Now, I think that when people are insecure, they're going to look for ways to push their power around. And men will do that. Women do it too. Men who feel insecure are going to, instead of negotiating the relationship and working things out, they're going to um, try and control their wives using that principle. It doesn't mean that that is something that is okay. <clears throat> Interestingly, a woman is a mamutza between a man and a child. So when you look at there's the male, the female, and the child, a woman has in her something of a male and something of a child. And she she can help fathers and children really communicate with her with each other. And there is a place where a woman is more vulnerable than a man, just physically, she's more vulnerable than than a man is. Once there was a, a rover of Schlich called me and he said, How do you, you know, how do you deal with this idea a woman does the will of her husband? And I quoted a sikh of the Rebbe where the Rebbe says, if his will is aligned with Hashem's will and you do what he would like, like he's he's asking you to help him in creating a Jewish home for your children. What's wrong with that? No problem. The Rebbe says that the word la'asot, has got to do with actualizing, to make something manifest. So women are very gifted at bringing something from abstraction to an actuality. Then the Rebbe says, and if his will is not aligned with Hashem, well, there, that's where the his nagdus comes in, that she has to push back. And, and there... It's Litakin. Like at the end of the account, at the end of Yom Shishi, we have that part that's read in Kiddush, Hashem Baralakim Lysois. It's Litakin, which Hashem, this is this is everything Hashem created to do. The word Lysois is super extra there. And it's understood to be Litakin. We have to fix this world. So to Aisabutsoin Baila is to fix the will of your husband, to try and live in such a way that you can realign him with the truth. And that's, you know, that's what marriage does. You fix each other up or you land up having a really difficult and painful marriage. So mm -hmm. I don't think that the idea of marriage, the way that Hashem created it, is that um, a woman is a child who's just going to be controlled and she's uh, subservient. She's not his servant. She's his wife. Even a child is not a servant. But she does have a different role. And that brings me to the second thing that you mentioned. I think that there is, um, currently there's a push, there's like a counterweight now, you know, where status in really wealthy secular societies is having many children, that you have the money to support those children. Um, and for the wife not having to, to work. What's happened is that, people have realized 
that women, certainly, and I will, women who are in their 30s, 38, 39, in their 40s, realizing, gosh, my childbearing years are gone. And, you know, women kind of thought, well, I'm going to finish school and then I'm going to graduate and then I'll get my post-grad and then I'll get into the firm and then I'll make my way up. Well, by that time, you're about 35. Now you want to get married. But your market value as a woman and there is a there is a time stamp on a woman's value in 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 a certain way. If you can't have children and a man wants children, or you've got fewer childbearing years, that's going to have an impact on his decision. Does he want to marry you or not? And he, you know, he might take someone who's thirty or twenty eight, etc. Because well, she's more fertile. There's more years to have children. She also looks different. You start to change by the time you're coming to forty. So. I think that women have felt that they were dealt a little bit of a a rough deal. I can't remember which magazine it was. Um, it'll come to me, but they ran an article on feminists who uh, felt that they had been let down by an older generation of feminists, like promised a, a, a dream that wasn't a real dream, and then realizing, well... You know, it's like when Sarah, Cheryl Sandberg came out with her book and she said it was Lean In. I didn't read it, but I did read one line from it. She, it was um, th this idea that girls used to not be able to grow up and have anything that they want. And now you can have anything you want. And that might be true, but you can't have everything you want. And every single thing you choose comes with a price. So if you want a career, of course you can have a career. And I have a, I have a career, but there were choices I made along the way in terms of my career when my children were young that other women would not have made. You know, they might have just gone more for the corporate. And and for me, there was a benefit in that, but there was a loss. So you always have to do the cost benefit analysis. And I think that um, I would love to see a young this this idea of reviving the balabosta and and understanding the power of the individual home because you cannot change society in the abstract. The only way to influence people, it's like that story about the rabbi who said he wants in the, the tzaddik. I don't remember which it was. He wants to change the whole world and then his country and then his town and then his family and then himself. So change begins with ourselves and then the next nest of change is going to be our family. And that's the most impactful thing that we can do. Today, unfortunately, I think that, that many young women dismiss that. It's almost like, oh, it's beneath my dignity to cook a warm dinner for my husband or, or yeah, he could cook a little bit too. It's you know, the division of roles is is challenging now. Avoid this parah. Real thing that people have to navigate between themselves. But I do think that uh, being a mom and a wife is A, remarkably rewarding, and B, the most impactful thing that we can do. It's transform. That's how we transform the world from goals to goals. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people are realizing now that like modern feminist or feminism has like maybe gone a bit too far and made it so that women are supposed to act like men instead of being respected for their individual feminineness and such. But like, I think also a lot of people when it comes to staying at home and making a home, it's it's also a, it's a hard job because it's you're not really being paid for it. It's when a, when a man goes to work or when a woman goes to work that you're getting a monetary value. And in our society, it seems that that's really what matters. So right. I, so think, that's for, exactly. I think for a lot of women, it's it's like demeaning almost, even though it shouldn't be. It's like demeaning because in the society that we live in where everything's about money, it's not it's not so much about meeting it. Well, you know, the, the Friedrich Rebbe has a line. I learned it from uh, Maurice Lieberman. I, I, and then I asked her, where did you see it? And she said I she couldn't find it. But um, <clears throat> she says, the Friedrich Rebbe says, before Mashiach comes, the end of Mishle, the uh, the Ashes Chayel will be read differently. We say, Shekir Hachem Behevel Hayoifin is um, grace is false and beauty is like, Physical beauty is is empty, right? Hashem, a woman who fears Hashem is to be praised. The Friedrich Rebbe says, just before Mashiach comes, that will be read as follows: and inner will be considered false. True spiritual beauty will be considered empty and meaningless, and a woman who fears Hashem will be mocked. Tishalal from the word holos. And I think that your question is a byproduct of uh, Marxist indoctrination. You know, I remember as a young girl reading um, literature, feminist literature, um, and coming to understand that without the Industrial Revolution, there would have been no feminism. Although although the rabbis Would that be for the best, do you think? Do you think it would be for the well, best let if there me, wasn't let a... me, that's what I was going to say. The Rebbe speaks about the fact that feminism happened because Baruchness, there's a change. So I'm talking now from a physical or sociological perspective, not the spiritual. But if you look at the, the beginning of the, um, well, the whole Sefer Kuntras Nisuin, and then there's the small pink that has got a lot of sikhs taken out from there. Really interesting to see what the Rebbe has to say about the Friedrich Rebbe's involvement with women and his empowerment of them and and how that came about because we're coming closer to, to the era of Mashiach where the dynamic between men and women shifts. So we're in a really difficult time where we're figuring it out. But I just want to give a context to the value you're placing, I'm not saying you personally, but the question places on mm -hmm. the work of women. If there was not the Industrial Revolution, people would be very involved in physically taking care of their lives. I was telling the girls in seminary uh, before Shabbos that most of women's lives were spent spinning thread, making thread. It was very laborious, right? You had to grow the product, either the sheep or the flax or the cotton, and then you had to clean it, and and then you had to make this thread. And that's where the term spinster came from, a woman who wasn't married because she had more time to spin all this thread, right? And people's lives were so involved in, in 
this physical labor, there was a big change that happened when that didn't, there were machines to do it and that didn't take so long. So that's one influence. And then there is Marxism. So Marxism values labor, I think, and capitalism values wealth. <laughs> so when you live in a Western society that has the capitalist value of having lots of money and the Marxist um, value on labor. Yeah, I wouldn't call it indoctrination, but at some level, I do think that we've been indoctrinated by it. I, over the course of my lifetime, I've seen the impact of that grow and grow and grow. Even when I was at university, it was something that was very interesting, you know, looking at structuralism and post-structuralism and what was happening with those thinkers. So now we find ourselves in a place where my value is rooted in my labor and bringing money for the labor. And when you say, well, a woman isn't paid, yeah, she's not paid in guilt, but she is paid with a different kind of wealth. And at the end of our lives, you know, the idea of an inheritance is called a Yerusha from the word rush. Rashim and Dalim are poor people, but the rush is poverty stricken in a way without dignity. Yerusha, as soon as you leave this world, you have nothing, nothing at all. And um, you go to the world, the only thing you're worth is what you gave away. All the money is left here. It's a difficult dynamic because we need money to live our lives. How much we need is a question. And, and people have a sense of needing much more than they actually do need. I work, I have an office in Monsi and many of my Hevra I learn with and work with women from Satmer and Bells and Gear and and there is real value placed on being a mother. It's very refreshing to see that. Uh, when I go to Australia, when I go to South Africa, there's still value placed on motherhood. And when I work with teens, what I'm seeing is absent moms. And the mothers are home, but they're not at home. They're on their phones or their head is in their career. There's no way you're going to get that without paying a price. And the price is paid in terms of the spiritual and emotional well-being of our children. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. When I brought the question up, I was saying from from the capitalist point of view, I didn't even think about communism or Marxism or whatever. But um, I mean, in a world where we value money, it makes sense that women think that it's not a it's not valuable to raise children because it does. It's like a people call it like non monetary income because otherwise you'd be paying people like a lot of money to do that work. Um, of like raising a kid right but uh, if you right but you know if you're you saving money when you're doing it yourself too but yeah what happened is that when women went to work see the other very big influence that happened is um the pill birth control is probably the biggest influencing factor on our lives mm. industrialization um the online, you know, virtual revolution and the pull because it it changed people's notion of marriage. I, th I think that this idea of uh, money 
money and and faith man and emuna one thing so we we have we have lost access to that but i will have enough because i'm i'm chasing the golden calf you you know you earlier you referenced the cheta eagle and when we're speaking about Absolutely, the eagle, yeah. uh, right so the eagle is the goal the circle this idea of just you know being caught up in that loop and in that run around of i am going to make money and there's a huge price that is that is paid for that um it used to be that a man in the 50s could support a family and today that's not possible because if you double the labor you have the value and in mm -hmm. some and and you know i see i see by the hasidish oilam the men are working and that somehow they provided for people are provided for i'm i'm not saying that that women shouldn't work and and actually i think that the, the with industrialization and how much easier it is like you can open a tap and there's water there or you just turn the oven and and you've got a fire and food can be delivered to your door etc rather than having to harvest it and prepare it that frees up an enormous amount of time and that it's important for women to use their time purposefully and um you know i i would what would i do if i was now my children are grown and the maintenance of the home and and cooking certainly not going to take up my whole day so i think mm -hmm. it's good for women to engage in purposeful action i don't know that it has to be earning a living mm -hmm. it could be but but be careful don't go and don't put that as a priority because that's the eagle has a hope the goal is that we should get married and be happy and build wonderful homes and have happy children who will love being from and chasidim mm. right well thank you so much for joining me i really appreciate it and thank you everybody for listening all the best have a good one bye bye